Our scripture this morning is from Matthew 6, 6 through 13. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Would you please join me for the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Jenny. Had to sneak the King James in there because that's what we all know, right? Um, When I say the word prayer, and we've said it a few times already today, what comes to your mind? For some of us, it's this, difficult. That's the word that comes to mind. Or hard, because I don't really know what I should be doing, okay? So it's difficult for me. For some of us, the word discipline is the word that pops in there. I, I, I wish I could be better about it, more consistent about it, but it just seems like it takes a whole lot of discipline to pray. For some of us, it is ecstatic joy, believe it or not, because some people in this room have had life-changing experiences because of their encounters with God in prayer. For some of us, words like comfort and soothing come into our mind when we talk about prayer because there's this peace that seems to come when we are praying, when we have just given it to God, or when we know other people are praying for us. There's this comfort that comes. Maybe this is the word that comes confusing, confusing. Uh, Is this doing any good? I mean, it seems like at times I'm just talking to the ceiling, when I pray. And so it's very confusing. Some of us would say incredible because there's a relationship to, found, to be found in prayer and, and prayer just moves that relationship deeper and deeper and deeper. Some would say frustrating, frustrating because sometimes uh, everything goes well in, in our prayers, but sometimes let's just be honest, it's like dry rocks when we pray. Questions might be another word that comes to your mind. How in the world do I do this? How do I get better at this? Or let's start at the very, very beginning. How do I want to want to pray? Okay? And maybe that's where you are. So here's my goal today. My goal today is to give you one simple practical way to get better at this thing called prayer. And um, as we started, we talked about, you know, what word comes to your mind when we talked about prayer. What if that word that came to mind is, in fact, Jesus? That's probably not a word that you would have thought of, probably not a word that is, that immediately pops into your mind. But for the guys that hung around Jesus, 
this is exactly the word that popped into their minds when this subject was brought up. They thought about Jesus because they saw him often go off by himself early in the morning to pray alone. And when they thought of prayer, the first thing they thought was Jesus because they knew that he, of all people, had this thing figured out, this prayer relationship that, with God. And it was something that was missing in their life. In Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer that we just recited, in fact, the disciples come to Jesus and the reason he rattles off this model prayer in Luke is because they ask him, how do you do this? How do you pray? And they wanted practical, easy things that they could do. They were asking Jesus, how do we communicate with God and get the relationship that you have with God? How do we do that? And that would be our question today, right? How do we do this? And in Matthew chapter six, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us a few important features of prayer. I just want to brush over a couple of them and then we're gonna move on to something very practical today. First, there are two key words in the text that Jesus, I think, wants to get um, in our minds and we need to focus on. Uh, The first one, this is the way verse 7 reads in the New Century version. It goes like this. And when you pray, don't be like those people who don't know God. They continue saying things that mean nothing, thinking that God will hear them because of their many words. In the ESV that I have highlighted on the screen, the phrase is empty phrases. Um, In the King James Version, if you're looking at that, it, it says, don't heap up vain repetitions. It means, this phrase, it means to prattle on Um, on and on and on and on and never stop talking. It's kind of like that person at the coffee shop that you can't stop, you know, get to stop talking. And uh, the NIV has this word, and this is the word we're gonna use today, babbling. Babble, don't babble like the people who don't know God. And, uh, And Jesus is pointing to the pagans of the day, the people who don't know God. And, um, there were lots of those kind of people around in the first century. And of course, there are a lot of those kind of people around today who don't really know God. But just because you don't know God does not mean you don't pray. Anybody ever seen the guy at the track? Oh, come on, lucky strike, right? Or the lady at the casino? Come on, lucky seven, what are they doing? Those are prayers. They're prayers of people who don't know God. And they're no different than the ancient prayers that Jesus is referring to of pagans. And the prayer was just a babbling to whoever is out there, to whoever is listening, to whatever God might show up. And if a certain prayer seemed to work, then they would pray more to that prayer. If it helped, they prayed to it. And the logically... The more gods you could include in your prayer, then the more chance of that prayer being answered. And so because maybe one of the gods would be awake and being paying attention to you and he might show up, Jesus says that isn't prayer at all. Prayer is not about a lot of words, but he'll show it's it's about instead meaningful words. Prayed to the right person. Here's the second word that we need to pay attention to. And it's used 
four times in just four verses in, in Matthew 6, uh, 6 to 9, and it is this, Father, Father. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't heap up empty praises, uh, empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them for your, what's the word? Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father. Four times, four verses, Jesus uses this word Father. The Aramaic version, which is the language Jesus would have been speaking, the Aramaic version of father is a word that you might be familiar with. It's the word Abba. And we're not talking about the 70s group uh, that sings Dancing Queen. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about an Aramaic word that Jesus would have used. And it means daddy or papa. It is a term of, of closeness and intimacy, and if you put a little microscope on this word, what you find is that Abba is actually a word that a child, a very small child, would first utter when they started learning to talk. It's a child's first babbling, okay? And Abba would have been the uh, the equivalent of dada or something like that. It's a baby trying desperately to take the words it hears from a parent and then form and shape those words and repeat them back to this person that's significant in their life. And this word Abba points us to a child babbling. And if you think about it, all communication, no matter what it is, starts off this way. It starts off as babbling. You probably don't remember it, right? You can't uh, remember that far back, but it's true nonetheless. Each one of us learned how to talk and communicate because we simply began to mimic and repeat the words and the sounds that we heard from the people around us who could already talk, right? And the first times we tried this, it only amounted to, well, we could put it this way, empty phrases, didn't it? and vain repetitions, and prattling on and on. But because of a relationship, the babble soon turned into something meaningful, and then there was a back and forth exchange. Now that idea, when it comes to prayer, is huge, and that's gonna be the foundation of everything practical today. And to start off, I just want you to see that there are two types of babbling here. Jesus says there's one type of babbling that is prayer and one type of babbling that is not prayer. And notice how opposed these two babblings are. The first is just throwing words into the air, hoping that somebody, some God will notice. But the second babbling is a child desperately trying to form words, repeating words that were first spoken by a loving father, and the first leads nowhere, but the second leads to a relationship and a closeness that will never end. And maybe that's the biggest help to us as we try to figure out how to do this thing called prayer, how to communicate with God. I want you to imagine that there's... um, there's a person and they go up to a very rich person that they know, only know of, uh, they don't really know, okay? And this person goes up to this rich person and begins a barrage of lines and dialogue going like this. Hey, 
Hey, aren't you the rich guy? Hey, you think you could put me in your will? I mean, I'd really like some of your stuff when you die. What do you think, man? You, can you give me a house? Maybe some of your cars? Maybe some of your stocks when you knock off? Because you're not going to need them, right? You won't. Uh, there's no reason you shouldn't give that to me. And he would just keep going and going in the rich man's face. How would that go? How would that end? That's, that's crazy, right? That's lunacy. Um, and yet, it is not unheard of at all for a very wealthy person to leave some incredible gift of wealth to a person who wasn't even a part of their family, maybe even a distant acquaintance. Why why would they do that? And usually in that case, it's because those people somehow were friends or they were intimately connected and they cared about each other and they would have cared about each other despite the numbers in the bank accounts. And so the motive for the relationship wasn't gain, it was friendship. And that's the difference between the two types of babbling that Jesus lays out in front of us. One kind treats God like a slot machine. What can you give me, God? The other kind treats God like a real flesh and blood father and friend, a dad. Now, two quick truths about prayer out of all of that. Number one, prayer is pretty simple. It's a conversation with your good father. That's what prayer is. Uh, Eugene Peterson puts it this way. He says, prayer is answering speech. The first word is God's word. Prayer is a human word, and it's never the initiating and shaping word simply because we are never first, we are never primary. Do you understand what that means? It means that we're just repeating what God, a conversation that God has already started when we pray. That's all we're doing. It's just like a parent speaking to uh, a tiny baby and, and they're trying to get the baby to form words, mama, dada, right? And then the baby learns them and begins to imitate them and spit them back. And then the parents sprinkle more words and the baby learns more words. And before you know it, there's communication taking place. There's back and forth and mama and dada and yay. And then quickly, that quickly turns into, I want a tattoo. And you're not getting a tattoo while you live under my house, right? At least that's the way it went under my roof. Okay. Um, And just like that, communication is a learned thing. And it's no different when we attempt to communicate with the God who created us all. And everyone seems to want to do this, by the way. There was a study that was done, and 30% of atheists who said there is no God ever anywhere, 30% of those people admitted to praying Sometimes. 17% of them admitted to praying occasionally. Why is that? They don't believe in anything to pray to, and yet they're doing. And, and it's because this instinct to communicate with the God who made us is universal. And when we attempt to talk to God, when we start, we are the baby, and we have no chance to know what we're supposed to say unless we hear it first from God, okay? So here's point number two, that prayer is not only simple, but prayer is scripture. 
prayer is scripture. It is simply repeating the language of God. And the way we hear God's side of the conversation is going to be the big practical help today. We hear God's side of the conversation in the words that he's already spoken to us. And where are those words? Those words are in the pages of scripture. That's the big idea. Scripture is the language of God. Scripture is the way that God speaks with you. And so if you want to have a conversation with God, you have to first go to Scripture. Now, and I believe that that this thing today, just this little truth will revolutionize your relationship with God more than anything else. It has the potential to, okay? Because when you learn God's language, what he thinks and what he loves and what he hates and what he wants and how he wants to do it, when you learn all of those things, somewhere along the line, you're gonna come to find, oh my goodness, I love the thing that God loves or I hate the thing that God hates or I wanna be involved in the thing that God wants to be involved in. And you're going to find yourself saying, oh, me too. And that's where a relationship begins between a child and a father. And that's how the relationship grows and deepens. Now, a couple hints here as we get into this. Number one, it's not an overnight change. It's growth. It is very simple, but that doesn't mean it's not going to take a time. And, and it's a process. It means it's just, we're just like a kid learning to talk. Uh, or, or maybe you've tried to learn a new language somewhere along the way. That doesn't happen just like that. It takes time, okay? And that's what we're doing when we learn to pray. Number two, when we begin the conversation with God, we're going to begin, uh, we're going to be all about the talking baby talk with God for a while, and the three-syllable words will eventually come, but not right away. And so be willing to fumble your way through some baby talk in order to learn God's language. Uh, But the more fluent you get, the, the deeper the conversation will be. It might be like, have you ever had those, uh, that friend come and stay with you? Or maybe that, those, that, that family, that, and, uh, that extended family, and they come and you haven't seen each other for a long time, and you find yourself uh, talking so much that, you, that you're, you look up at the clock and you realize it's like 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., but nobody ever wants to go to bed, right? Because you haven't seen each other for a long time and, and you're having such a great conversation. Why is that? It's because that is, um, that's a relationship, right? that you want to keep going. And could our prayers be like that? I think when we get fluent in God's language that we won't be able to get enough of a conversation with him. And so the big ticket item today is, okay, Dusty, all right, we've laid all that groundwork. How do I do this? Ian Bounds said it this way. He's a Christian writer that is uh, referenced without fail if you are a person at all interested in prayer and if you do any reading about it. Uh, And Ian Bounds says this, prayer is not learned in the classroom, but in the closet. We could say it this way today. Prayer is not learned in a sermon, but it's learned when you take your scripture and open it and you begin to talk 
with God. You can give somebody auto tech classes. You can dress them up in coveralls that say Roy (laughs) right here. You can put them next to a big rolling cabinet of snap-on tools inside of a garage next to a nice car uh, with the lift, all of that. You can do all of that, but is that person a mechanic? Not unless they really work on cars. And I think we talk a lot about prayer We have lists, and we have journals, and we have books, and we have sermons, and we have classes on prayer, but are we prayers? Not until we actually pray. And so we're going to take Ian Bounds at his word, and we're going to learn by doing today. There are all kinds of patterns of prayer developed by pillars of the church over the centuries that have proven extremely effective for lots and lots of people, and I want to give you just one of those today. Um, And if you want more, here's what I need you to do. I need you to take a card from the pew in front of you and just write in big block letters, just write prayer uh, and include your email address and we will shoot you a video series that I shot a few years ago on prayer and it will give you a lot more of these kind of examples, okay? But Martin Luther was a man who had an extraordinary prayer life. One of his friends wrote about him And he said that it was unusual when Luther didn't spend at least three hours every day in prayer. This friend was fortunate one day to overhear Luther and his prayers. And he said this, he wrote this, Good God, what faith in his words. He speaks with the great reverence of one who speaks to his God and with the trust and hope of one who speaks with his father and friend. Does that sound a little bit like what we're after? Okay, so how did Luther make this work? There is a really famous writing that Luther has on prayer, and it comes by way of a letter that he wrote to a friend. Um, There was a guy named Peter, and I have a picture of Peter. Peter was Luther's barber. Um, This is clearly from the 1600s, yes. Um, And uh, Peter shaved Luther's face, cut his hair, all that good stuff. And Peter was a pretty devout man, but like most of us, he was uh, obviously a little flawed. And uh, at least one day in particular, he had trouble letting go of the shaving knife because he took it home. And in a moment of intoxication, During a family meal, he actually stabbed his own son-in-law to death, okay? I don't know if the son-in-law wasn't happy with his haircut. I don't know what happened. But um, anyway, Peter goes on trial, and it's Luther that intervenes in Peter's trial so that he's not executed, but instead he's exiled, So now he's living away from his home, and he and Luther begin this series of letters back and forth, and one of the things that Peter wrote in the letters is, how do I pray? And this is what Luther wrote him back. This is the formula that Luther gave his barber, Peter. Number one, he says, and I have to say that this this thing, uh, that, that Luther prescribes, his prescription, has done more to um, influence my prayer life than any, anything else, okay? Number one, he says prayer has to become a, a habit. 
Prayer has to become a habit. Luther proposes that Peter should pray twice every day, the first business in the morning, and then the last at night. And he says, I want you to guard Peter against this idea that you can always do it later because you need to attend to this or that. Luther says, Peter, I want you to remember that just like all of the other commands in the Sermon on the Mount, do not kill, do not steal, prayer is also a command. When you pray, it's a command. So failing to pray isn't just a disobedience of God's commands, but it's a failure to treat God as God. Let's say that you had a sibling, let's say a brother that you never knew about. You just found out about him, okay? And um, maybe you want to meet this brother that you never knew and include him in your family and so you get a hold of him and the first meeting is set and you show up, but at the last second, he has some lame excuse and he can't make it. And so you say, oh, okay, that's no problem. And um, you set up a second meeting, but the second meeting, he says, well, I'm sick. And so you set up a third meeting and you say, uh, okay, let's try this again. And the third time, he doesn't give you any explanation at all. He just doesn't show up. See, for the first time or two, maybe you're thinking, okay, he's just going to be a bad brother. But after a certain point, it's clear to everyone and to you that this person doesn't want to even be a brother. And it's the same in our prayers. When we fail to pray, maybe once, maybe twice, okay, but if it's over and over and over, then is God really God to us in our life? We can't skip it just because we don't feel like it. It's a command, so make it a habit. Here's number two. He says, utilize scripture so that you'll want to pray. And this is the meat of today. Even though prayer is a duty, there's no reason for prayer to be a drudgery. It should be a joy-filled occasion. And we should do things that incline our heart to want to have a conversation with God. And Paul, uh, Luther says that one of these things that we can do is he calls it a recitation to yourself of Scripture. And it goes this way. Just pick a Scripture. Any scripture will do. You could begin easily enough with one of the Ten Commandments or maybe uh, some of the words that we're covering right now in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Once you pick a scripture, then recite it to yourself or reread it to yourself. It's not really Bible study. We're not worried about what words mean unless we don't know what they mean. But it's taking the words of that scripture and pondering them in such a way that your thoughts and your feelings kind of flow towards God. And then Luther says, here's what we're going to do with that scripture. We're going to do four things. We're going to divide it four ways. He says, number one, I need you to think of the instruction of the text. That's what scripture is intended to be, instructions for us, how to live, right? And so what is the text instructing us to do? Here's number two. I want you to turn that instruction, Luther says, into thanksgiving. Number three, I want you to turn that instruction of the text into confession. 
And number four, I want you to turn the instruction of that text into a prayer, a conversation with, with the text at the heart of it, a conversation with God uh, concerning this text. And what that effectively does is it turns every piece of scripture into a, a school textbook, it turns it into a songbook, it turns it into a penitential book, a book of repentance, and it turns it into a prayer book. And it's brilliant, this little simple formula, and it will transform your prayers. So here's what I want to do. I want to go through an example of how this might work. Let's go to Matthew chapter 28. And this is a very familiar text to you and to me. This is uh, Jesus' last words with his disciples on the earth. And he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, what is the instruction of the text? Well, that's pretty easy. It's to go, to go and make disciples. Okay, so let's turn that instruction first into a thanksgiving. How do we do that? God, I am so thankful that you have a mission for us. I am so thankful that we get to join you in declaring the gospel to every person imaginable. God, I am thankful that the gospel isn't just for a few select people. No, no, no. The gospel is for everyone. God, I am so thankful for that. And I'm thankful that you have invited me to be a part of it. Okay? Now, let's turn that instruction into what's the third one? A confession. A confession. Are there some things that we fall short of regarding this instruction? Oh, man. God... I, am, I want to repent when I haven't gone when you've asked me to go. God, I want to confess that there are some times that I'm in front of people and I'm not seeing them as disciples to be made. I'm not seeing them as people who don't know you and are lost in their sin. I'm not seeing them like you see them. God, would you, I repent of that. Would you help me? to see them like you see them. And then finally, we're gonna turn that instruction, that thanksgiving, that confession into a prayer, a conversation. Maybe there's an ask at this point in, in the prayer. Maybe our ask could be, God, would you give us the eyes to see the people around us just like you see them? So that when I see people, I don't, I don't see somebody who might benefit me or, or get me further down the road, but I see somebody who desperately needs you in their life. Would you help me see people in that way? Oh my goodness, what did we just do? Is that a prayer? Absolutely it is. That's a brilliant, amazing prayer. And we didn't manufacture one word of it. God spoke first, and we just repeated. And that babbling that we're going to do gives us a deeper and deeper relationship with him. Luther has two more points after this main one. Number three, he says this. After you pray in this way with a text, 
spend some time praying through each one of the petitions in the Lord's Prayer in a similar way. Pray through each line of the Lord's Prayer. And we've said it a couple times today. One, uh, let's give an example. One line of the Lord's Prayer is this. Give us this day our daily bread. That's just one line of the Lord's Prayer. How can we rephrase that into our own words? What's the instruction of the text, right? It's God, provide for me. That's what we're asking, right? And so my petition, my praying through the Lord's Prayer might go this way. Lord, you have given me a lot of things in my life. You've given me a place to live. You've given me transportation. You've given me employment. You've given me the people around me in my life uh, that love me and I love them. Lord, would you help me to manage all of those things that you've given me well today? And we rephrase the Lord's prayer in our own words. Luther says to never do this the same way every day. Every day, let give us this daily bread prompt prayer from a different perspective or let, it, let your mind go to some other way of seeing God providing for you in your life. And you pray each uh, prayer or each line of the Lord's prayer in this way. And the value of that is that it doesn't allow us to dwell only what's pressing uh, in our lives today. That's where our prayers will naturally go to if we don't do something like this. We'll, we'll, we'll just be praying about the same thing, the same thing, the same thing, the same thing, unless it's, until it's not a big deal in our lives. But praying the Lord's Prayer, praying Scripture forces us to pray for things that we wouldn't otherwise pray for. How many, when's the last time you prayed for your church family? When's the last time you prayed for the progress of the gospel in our town of Fort Scott? When's the last time that you prayed about your own resentments and your failings? If you pray through the lines of the Lord's Prayer, you can't help but pray those things. Finally, Luther says this. While we are uh, filling this prescription of prayer twice a day, once in the morning, one at night, then always be on the lookout for the Holy Spirit. Always be on the lookout for the Holy Spirit. Maybe in the middle of this routine, there's an abundance of really good thoughts or vivid ideas or memories that come to mind. And um, some of us would dismiss this as our mind wandering. I love what Luther does. Luther says, no, 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 that's not your mind wandering off a of prayer. That's maybe the Holy Spirit directing you to other things that you need to think about. And Luther calls this letting his mind go for a walk. And I love that line, right? He says, you don't have to be afraid to entertain these thoughts that seem like they're pulling you off course. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit trying to preach to you in this way. So let go and let your mind wander. Take a little walk if the Holy Spirit is directing you in that way. And that, that's it. In the nutshell... We build on our study of scripture through meditation. We find the instruction of the text. We use that instruction. We turn it into a praise, and then we turn it into a confession, and then we turn it into a prayer, and then we pray through the Lord's Prayer, and we paraphrase each line of the Lord's Prayer. And in all of this, we make room for the Holy Spirit to interrupt us with where he wants to take us and what he wants us to focus on and all that do twice a day. Mm. There's been nothing like this in my own life. 
that has deepened my relationship with God. And I hope that that's the same for you. So I want you to try it this week. Um, use any scripture, but if you, if you have a hard time picking one, I want you to use Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path path straight. What's the instruction? Turn that into a thanksgiving. Turn it into a confession. Turn it into a prayer, and then pray through the lines of the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to call the band up, and I want to remind you that the thing that makes a difference between words that are flung out into the air and lost in desperation and words, maybe even the exact same words that are spoken and heard and received with joy and interest, the difference between those words is a relationship. The basis of prayer, talking to God, is a relationship. And that relationship with God is only made possible by a man named Jesus. Do you know Jesus today? What's the very first word in our model prayer that we've already said twice? It is our Father, right? Jesus didn't say, here's how you pray to my Father. Here's how you pray to me. He said, our Father. We are all in this together. He invites you today into this same relationship that he shares with his Father, and it can be yours if you know him today. And that's what the invitation is about. So I'm going to ask you to stand and uh, we're going to pray here. And maybe you need to know this Jesus who offers you this relationship with God. Uh, would you come as we sing? Uh, let me pray and we will uh, sing today. Father, we thank you that um, you have given us great insight into prayer. And we understand that prayer is not learned in a sermon. It's not learned in a book, but it's learned in the closet. It's learned by practice. And so would you help us each to find our prayer closet and to wear it out so that we can know you more. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said.